0: Hello, this is John. Well, welcome you to the 2,362 edition of Enfield Talking Newspapers, dateline the 12th of October. The readers this week are Jean, Mel, Sally and myself, John. And with Bill on the controls, editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Ferdinand Bouillon... And Harry Breyer and is performed by Jean Jack Perry, and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we are reading come from the Enfield Independent, the Enfield Dispatch, and Forum Focus, and their c- copyright. Uh, for the week beginning, I'll start again. I beg your pardon. For the week beginning ninth of October, the sunrise time is seven thirty, and the sunset time is eighteen twenty. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and Enfield Library Services. And the first one is from Enfield Vision, who are a group of impaired people determined to improve the environment and reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are with the Registered Charity Commission and as an organisation with a specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop in morning on the third Thursday of each month from between 10 and 1am at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. And our exercise classes are now running again. And here are the dates 19th of October and 16th of November. For further information, please contact us on 0208. 373-6260. That's 0208 373 6260 or email information at enfieldvision.org.uk. On Thursday the 19th of October, Enfield is holding a focus day at Community House 311 4th Street N9 from 10am to 2pm and this means there will be no drop-in morning on Thursday the 19th of October at the Park Avenue Centre. Did you know that Enfield has a home library service? This means that mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library. Then we can bring it to you and there is no charge. The home library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you'd like to read, and we select the books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we also have audio books on CDs, large print titles, and there are also a limited number available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers a system with digital library content. So we can help you get to grips with borrowing ebooks or audiobooks from the library to read, or listen on a phone or tablet. For more information, if you can sign up for the services, Enfield, HLS at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk or you can call Shauna on 07826 That's 07826 094. Now Sally will read the lead story. Uh,
1: The NHS Trust running Chase Farm Hospital has appointed a new permanent chief executive. The Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust announced today, Wednesday the 11th, that Peter Landstrom had been given the role permanently following a spell since May as acting chief executive. Peter originally joined Royal Free in 2022 as as Group Chief Delivery Officer and Deputy Group Chief Executive. He has held a number of senior leadership roles and has a strong NHS operational background, having first joined the service in 2003. He said taking on his new role was an enormous privilege. Mark Lamb, Royal Free Chair, said, On behalf of the Board, I'm delighted to welcome Peter as the new Group Chief Executive. During his time at the Trust, Peter has been instrumental in setting a clear vision and direction for our organisation, with a focus on ensuring our patients get the very best of the NHS when they walk through our doors. This includes a relentless focus on our performance amid the ongoing pressures faced by our Trust and the entire NHS. I look forward to continuing to work closely with Peter as he leads the Royal Free London into the next chapter of its history. Along with the Board of Directors, I wish him every success. As well as running Chase Farm Royal Free, runs Barnet Hospital, Edgware Community Hospital and its largest site, the Royal Free Hospital in Camden. Peter has set the NHS Trust's clinical strategy for the future with an emphasis on cardiovascular care, cancer, organ failure and transplantation as well as developing local priorities for each of the hospital sites. It is an enormous privilege and honour to take on this role, said Peter. Since I started at the Royal Free London, I have been struck by just how much pride every single member of staff has in their services and by their absolute dedication to patients, our organisation and to each other. The challenges faced by the NHS are very real, but our commitment to providing clinical excellence with research at the heart of everything we do, alongside best-in-class education and training for our staff, means we have cause for optimism for the future. I look forward to working with colleagues and our partners to deliver world-class care for our patients.
2: And now a story from the Enfield Dispatch. Prayers at Southgate Synagogue for soldier killed by Hamas. A Southgate synagogue has held a prayer service for a soldier killed by Hamas who grew up locally. Nathaniel Young was born in Southgate to Nikki Nichol and Chantal Young, an Orthodox Jewish family who are members of the Cockfosters and North Southgate synagogue where Nathaniel had his bar mitzvah. The youngest of five children, Nathaniel, attended Wolfson Hillel School in Chase Road, Southgate, before later attending the Jewish Free School in Kenton. He moved to Israel in 2021 and joined the Israel Defence Forces IDF in July this year, where he became a member and corporal of the Golani Brigade's 13th Battalion. Nathaniel, aged 20, returned home to North London this summer to spend time with parents before returning to Israel last month. Hamas launched a wave of terror attacks on the country beginning on Saturday, when Nathaniel was killed on the border with Gaza. Daniel Anderson, a former deputy leader of Enfield Council, is a friend of the Young family and had known Nathaniel since he was a child. He said Nathaniel was a talented DJ showcasing his skills both on the military base and at popular clubs in Tel Aviv and that he intended to pursue a career in music after serving with the IDF. He also excelled in basketball and soccer and loved his pet dog Oreo, said Daniel. Nathaniel's parents live in Osage Lane, but had been making plans to move to Israel to join their children. They were in France with family celebrating both Shabbat and Shemini at Zaret. A Jewish festival when they were informed of the tragic news of Nathanael's death. Nathanael was laid to rest with honours at the Mount Herzl Military Cemetery in Ashkelon, Israel, on Monday, the 9th of October, in a funeral attended by his family and more than 2,000 mourners. On Tuesday, the 10th, memorial prayers for Nathanael were read at Cockfosters and North Southgate Synagogue in Old Farm Avenue Southgate. A book of remembrance is now open there for people to sign.
3: On a happier note, a growing platform for Bush Hill Park. Amanda Wayne on how her group of volunteers have helped revive the community garden at Bush Hill Park station. This is from the Enfield Dispatch. Over the last five years, a group of keen locals have been quietly nurturing the garden at Bush Hill Park Station, bringing the pat- platform into bloom. Long-standing Enfielders will finally remember Bush Hill Park Station for its flower displays, displays, but green-fingered efforts sadly declined over the years. Fortunately, Bush Hill Park Station Community Garden is now an active local group with renewed interest and ambitions for the station. By reviving overgrown and unused patches, the platform is now thriving with pollinators and diverse plants. BHP Station Community Garden is formed by a handful of local residents who are generously supported by Energy Garden, an an initiative to improve biodiversity around existing London transport infrastructure, funded by the sale of community-owned renewable energy. As volunteers, we now come together weekly to tend to the platform garden, doing tasks like watering, weeding, pruning, and sowing. In 2018, Energy Garden donated... Colourful timber planters for the northbound platform, now nurtured by residents. Since 2021, the focus has been on landscaping the disused grass banks on the southbound platform. And this year, the garden has put on its brightest display. As you stroll along the platform, you'll spot the gravel garden, complete with apple trees, Honeysuckle and geraniums framed by willow fencing. The thriving British wildflower meadow is filled with daisies, campions, and poppies, bees and butterflies all summer long. A little further down are the newest addition, two raised beds beds built from scaffolding boards backed by hedgerows, One is filled with herbs and flowers, the other is for fruits, vegetables, and sunflowers. This year, the newly planted vegetable pouch has sprouted into life with tomatoes, courgettes, chard, French beans, and carrots grown in organic soil made by the group's DIY composter. It's amazing what a difference a few dedicated pairs of hands can make. The raised beds we built are thriving, and it makes us immensely proud when we see people admire the gardens while waiting for a train. As the abundant summer growth slows, we are planning ways to pickle and preserve vegetables grown in the garden, and exciting plans are being hatched to build a bug hotel.
0: Struggling to breathe? Outer London boroughs have the highest rates of problems related to poor air quality. This is from the Enfield Forum. Perhaps surprisingly, air pollution is the largest environmental risk to health in Britain today. Every year, between 28,000 and 36,000 people die prematurely as a consequence of breathing in toxic air. In London alone, there are 4,000 preventable deaths. Of course, some London boroughs are far better than others. For example, the leafy Western Avenue Enfield is lucky to have green open spaces, although the same can't be said of the eastern wards. So the deaths are by no means evenly spread throughout the population. For example... Those with lung conditions living in the poorest neighbourhoods are seven times more likely to die of that condition than those living away from main roads. Industrial and other emissions with more outside space and fresh air. However, too many of us live in homes where the levels of pollutants exceed and sometimes far exceed wealth health organising recommending limits. The highest number of the early deaths related to toxic air and the highest admission to hospital, currently occur in outer London. Asked about this invisible killer, Laura Jane Smith, the consultant in respiratory medicine at London's King's College Hospital, emphasised the growing body of scientific data, revealing that air pollution affects one of our bodily organs at every stage of our life. Whilst we've all heard about COPD and childhood asthma, new evidence is emerging that the part it plays in other disorders such as diabetics, heart attacks, lung cancer in adults and strokes and dementia in other people amongst others. In other words, air pollution increases the risk in many more conditions than we realise. Children, older people with long-term health conditions, a quite a large proportion. Particularly heart and lung problems are especially vulnerable. Toxic air air has many components. Fine particles of harmful gases, a range of chemicals, for instance, that can pass into our bloodstream via our lungs, damaging them as they go. But what can we do? Go the long way round with a baby buggy to avoid walking along busy roads. Easier said than done. Most readers either don't smoke or have given up. And now they should eat well and take exercise. But we are trapped by hundreds of years of our transport infrastructure being built for car use. An integrated public transport system where buses and trains are coordinated and frequently accessible. cheap and staffed by people, not machines, would help.
1: Homeless people living in a temporary accommodation block in Southbury are facing an uncertain future after the council suddenly told them to leave. Residents living in Brickfield House, Southbury Road, a former office block converted into 124 flats, were given notices to quit telling them to be out of the building by the 30th of July. Two current residents told the local Democracy Reporting Service that Enfield Council had not given a definite reason why people had to leave. Although some have already moved out, many are still living in the block and are worried about where they will go. Information provided by the council has informed them that they could move out of London. It comes amid an escalating housing crisis that has led the Council to start moving homeless families out of London and the South East to plug a £20 million budget gap caused by spending on bed and breakfast types of accommodation, including hotels. Around 3,100 households in the borough are currently living in temporary housing. A council spokesperson said notices had been served to some residents due to a range of factors, including breach of tenancy terms, antisocial behaviour and rent arrears. Brickfield House was bought by Housing Gateway, a council-owned company set up to provide affordable rented accommodation in 2016. Residents were recently told that the management of the building is transferring to Enfield Let, which is Housing Gateway's trading arm. One resident, who did not want to be named, told the LDRS that people were all told different reasons about why they had been given notice to quit. She said one contractor carrying out repairs had told her that the place was originally designed as offices, and that is why it has come into huge problems. The resident, who said she had been in temporary accommodation for nearly seven years, said she had been told about the benefits of moving to Peterborough, and that refusing an offer there would constitute a refusal under the Housing Act, meaning the council's obligation to house her would be removed. She added, I had five other properties in temporary accommodation. I just want a place of my own. The resident said that her doctor had written six letters in detail explaining that she needed to remain near the hospitals where she is receiving treatment. But it just feels like we are not listened to, she added. It feels like we're hitting a brick wall all the time. I am on the waiting list for two operations. Suggesting moving out of the area for me is not an option and judging by a lot of people in that block, it's not an option for them as well. Under the Council's policies, residents can bid for social housing using a system that awards them points to measure their housing priority based on their circumstances but she said that despite receiving evidence of her health problems, the council told her she was not entitled to any more points to bid on properties. The resident said she had looked into rental homes, but would be unable to afford them, with some landlords requiring £4,000 in the bank and a month's deposit up front. Recently, she added... The hot water and electricity at Brickfield House had been switched off temporarily and the council had been withdrawing from doing some external repairs. Another resident, Mr Harris, who has been in temporary accommodation for four years, said he had been told hardly anything about why he had to move out of the building. I feel in limbo, he added. We are not told with reference to what the council has in store for us. We are ignored. Basically, I feel ignored. We have been told that we have to enter the private rental market, which we can't afford. There are families and individuals who are vulnerable and are not aware of the process with reference to eviction. They are going to find it hard. Some of them don't work and are going to find it hard in the private rental sector.
2: And now another story about housing. Enfield family living in the hotel for over a year say they have no hope. An Enfield family remains stuck living in the hotel more than a year after they were made homeless when their house was destroyed by fire. The Rembakovsky family, whose plight was first reported by the dispatch in April, were moved this summer to a travel lodge hotel in Borehamwood, Hertfordshire, after spending several months at Enfield Travel Lodge on the A10 and having a brief stay at Whetstone Travel Lodge in Barnet. Peter Rembakovsky lives with wife Magda, sons Alan and Natan, aged 15 and 20, plus dog Apollo, in two rooms at the Borenwood Hotel, where they have been since late July. The family declared themselves homeless with Enfield Council after their Palmer's Green bungalow was destroyed in a blaze in August 2022. The council has now told the family they are not a priority for social housing despite Peter's disability and has advised them to search for a new home in the private rental sector instead. But Peter told the dispatch this week that they can only afford one bed properties even outside London and that many of these are unsuitable because he uses a wheelchair. Being forced to move to Boreham has also created additional problems with accessing local services, especially Alan, who has struggled to restart his education. They are trying to push me into the private sector, Peter explained. I received an email from them saying I was found not to be in priority need for social housing. I am looking everywhere for properties, but with my income, they say I can only get a one-bed flat – How can I live there with my whole family? I am looking outside London because it is cheaper, but it still is not cheap enough. I tell them, estate agents, I have a wheelchair and the German shepherd and then they don't accept me. Magda works in central London and now has to commute for two hours each way from Boreham Because they have been placed in a third-floor room, Peter has sometimes been unable to leave the hotel. Peter continued, I have a very small room now in the hotel. The shower room has a bench, and I had an accident where the bench broke and I had to go to hospital overnight. After three days, they moved me to a different hotel room, but now I am on the third floor and the lift keeps breaking down. When it happens, I can't get out of the hotel. It is like being arrested. A spike in homelessness over the last year with Enfield now having the highest no-fault eviction rate in London, has led the council to place hundreds of families in bed-and-breakfast B&B-style accommodation, with many holed up at hotels such as Enfield Travelodge for months. The Rembakovsky family rejected one offer of alternative temporary accommodation in Manchester because of the disruption it would cause to Magda's work and Alan's education while Peter feared another flat they were offered in a ponders End tower block would be too difficult for him to escape in the event of fire. An interim housing solution was recently suggested, but would have involved Peter living on his own. Peter has been using a wheelchair for 18 months, ever since he lost movement in his legs after an accident falling downstairs on a bus. He was also diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2009, a lifelong condition affecting the digestive system, and was recently also diagnosed with depression. Peter used to work as a carpenter, but was forced to give up his career. He added, Enfield Council is not picking up the phone. They say it is not their problem. It's so hard, we have no hope. The council was approached for comment for this story but has not yet issued a response. The authority previously stated it was committed to reducing the number of families it
3: places in hotels. And this is from the Enfield Independent. The CQC rates two North London mental health services inadequate. This is by Alex Marsh. There were 16 safety incidences at a dementia ward for elderly people over a period of just three months. The Care Quality Commission, CQC, raised concerns about two services provided by Barnett, Enfield, and Haringey Mental Health NHS Trust after inspections in May rating its wards for older people with mental health problems as inadequate, the lower score. The health watchdog found problems with safety at Silver Birch's ward in Chase Farm Hospital. Inspectors said that in the three months leading up to their visit, there were five safety incidences related to accidents, trips and falls, and three safety incidents that involved violence and aggression. They added that the lessons learned from previous safety incidents were not always shared with staff. The CQC's most recent findings, published today, October 11th, have downgraded the rating for the trust wards for the elderly from good. While safety and leadership were issues, Services were awarded good for how effective, caring, and responsive to people's needs they were. Silver Birch's ward was also found to have pleasing sensory areas for people with dementia, including halls painted to look like a street and people's bedrooms' doors painted to look like front doors. The trust's mental health crisis services and psychiatric ward at Chase Farm were given an unchanged rating of inadequate by the health watchdog. Inspectors found problems with the caseload for the Enfield crisis resolution and home treatment plan, as well as with the number of staff who who had completed mandatory training. They also said that medicines were not always managed safely in the Trust's Enfield Crisis Services, and they relied on a clinic room in a different building to provide them. This was resolved by the Trust during the inspection by reopening a closed clinic room. But the CQC's most recent report also said that the staff praised their work environment and said they felt felt comfortable raising concerns. It, it added that where people did not have the capacity to make their own decisions, these were made in close consultation with people's families, taking into consideration their wishes, culture, and history. J. Rain, Jane Ray, excuse me, C.Q.C. Deputy Director of Operations in London said. When we inspected these services, we found leaders needed to make further improvements to people's safety in some areas of known risk. However, most people received care from kind, skilled staff who knew how to meet their needs. She added, we'll continue monitoring the trust to ensure people are safe and will return to assess whether improvements have been made. Barnett, Enfield and Haringey Mental Health NHS Trust has been approached to comment on the CQC's findings. The trust remains rated good overall by the health
0: watchdog. Take five to age well. campaign to help older people make small changes for better ageing. The Open University is running a programme called Take Five to Age Well, inviting people to join a UK-wide community making small daily changes for better ageing. It asks people to choose and keep up the healthy changes for one month, offering support to turn these changes into a habit of long-term health and well-being. The campaign was launched in September, but there are plans to continue asking people to make month-long pledges to achieve a better lifestyle. The most important pieces of voice are make it achievable. Know you're better than anyone. Choose actions that are challenging but attainable. Remember you need to do this every day and make sure it's something you will be able to do. The pledges centre on actions such as eating, drinking more healthily, increasing activities, engaging socially and staying mentally sharp. Choose an action and make sure it's quantifiable. For example, you may want to eat six pieces of fruit or vegetables a day or cut down to eight units of alcohol. I'm not sure about that one. A week or walk, 30 minutes every day. Whatever it is, make sure you can measure it.
1: An Enfield care provider arranged a trip for local pensioners to visit the seaside as part of Silver Sunday, a national day dedicated to older people. Home Instead Enfield organised the excursion to Southend-on-Sea in Essex earlier this month. The firm provides home care to older adults, helping them maintain independence and improve their quality of life. Alexandra Sacker, owner and managing director of Home Instead, said we were thrilled about our day trip, as it was a chance for us to extend our support and appreciation to older adults in the community. Greeting new and old faces, marking this important occasion, was truly heartwarming. The event, sponsored by Home Instead Charities, the home care company's charitable arm, brought together 55 members of the Enfield community, including several individuals living with dementia. Alexandra added, providing a safe environment for everyone to enjoy themselves and be amongst others in similar situations is so important, particularly amongst those caring for loved ones. We can start to combat loneliness and isolation in older adults through events and activities like this one, bringing generations together. For many, the day provided a welcome break away from home and a chance to spend some time and connect with others. Sophia Rahman was one of those who joined the trip. She said, We all had a wonderful time and would like to attend more days out like this in the future. I was organising events like this for 37 years as part of my old job. And now that I am retired, it's great to be able to enjoy this experience with others. Another who took part was Barbara Tuck, who said, I had the best fish and chips meal I've had in a very long time and was so happy to be there with everyone.
2: Enjoying life again. To mark Hospice Care Week 9th to the 15th of October, Alison Moore from North London Hospice spoke to musician Barry about his experience there. Hospice care comes in many forms. For Barry, our music therapy and breathlessness and fatigue groups have helped him realise that life is still there for living. As a musician, the frontman and drummer in a reggae band for many years, Barry brings an infectious and encouraging passion to the weekly music therapy group at North London Hospice in Winchmore Hill, home of our outpatient and well-being services. He has even the most reserved attendee tapping their feet or picking up a tambourine and joining in. I love that class, says the 55-year-old of seven from Enfield. It gives people a real sense of confidence, inclusion and encourages expression. It gets you out of the house and gives us all something to do that doesn't revolve around medical appointments. You can just be in the moment. Every week, everyone that attends leaves feeling better than when they arrived. Diagnosed four years ago, Barry is living with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD emphysema, which, in the last two years, has seen his breathing deteriorate. It was in December 2022, after being admitted to intensive care with breathing difficulties for the third time, that hospice support was recommended. I was very frightened. It was scary for my family too, but my body just wasn't working and I knew North North London Hospice would look after me. They'd have the care facilities and the expertise to help. they've given me so much more. Sometimes you need to talk to someone other than your family and they are always there if I need to talk. They make me feel things are okay. The hospice has been able to really support my mental well-being. Our specialist teams provide individualised care, planning that always tries to help patients achieve the best of life at the end of life. In Barry's case, this involves regular home visits by specialist nurses who monitor his medication and have helped him manage his anxiety, and bi-weekly visits from our physiotherapist Rob, who takes him for walks to build and maintain strength. Barry says, He always encourages me to just go that little bit further. I've made real progress thanks to Rob. Barry also attends our breathlessness and fatigue sessions, which have given him coping strategies and help him continue to sing. My condition means I often struggle for breath. There are six or seven people at each session who are going through the same or similar things as me, and that makes me feel like I'm not alone. The sessions have provided me with techniques on how to cope in situations if I panic or get out of breath. Barry has six sons and a daughter and is once again able to enjoy music with one of his sons. I've played the drums since the boys' brigade and it makes me happy to still be able to play music and make music with my son. I do it in stages and he puts it all together. He adds, The support of the hospice has been a lifesaver to me. My world was crumbling around me and I was at risk of becoming a hermit. The care they are giving me has given me the confidence to be my extrovert self again. They've made me realise I can still live my life. I just can't run around the block anymore.
3: Council denies bankruptcy is on the cards. Spokesperson spokesperson says there is no evidence it is close to issuing a section 114 notice. The Labour Administration at Enfield Council insists it is confident it can balance its budget, despite fears of bankruptcy being raised. The council is now one of the most indebted local authorities in the country. But the leadership at Enfield Civic Centre has moved to downplay speculation it might have to issue a Section 114 notice effectively declaring bankruptcy. A spokesperson for Anfield Council this week said there was no evidence to suggest it was close to issuing a Section 114 after the issue was raised by the leader of the conservative group last week. This summer, official figures from the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities revealed that Council's £1.12 billion debt was the 10th highest of England's local authorities, that's one point one two billion pounds of debt. Councils that have received that have recently issued section one one four notices, which bars them from making new spending commitments, include Birmingham, Croydon, Thurrock and Woking. Last month, Havering and East London also announced it was six to twelve months away from having to do so. Faced with a projected £39 million budget gap for the 2024-2025 to financial year, caused largely by higher inflation, borrowing costs, and soaring demand for temporary housing. Enfield Council recently proposed several new cuts in a bid to balance its books. Among the proposal is a significant reduction in a scheme to a scheme set up to help the most vulnerable re- residents with their council tax payments, which Labour had, Labor had pledged to retain at its current level in its election manifesto last year. During last week's full council meeting, Conservative opposition leader Alessandro Giorgio warned a Section 114 notice will come at some point adding, we can play the blame game or we can take the decisions today to mitigate that and to ensure that our residents in the future will not carry a significant council tax burden. Responding to speculation, a council spokesperson said, like all local authorities, Enfield Council is having to make difficult decisions due to its budget challenges caused by inflation and government cuts but we are confident we can balance our budget. There is no evidence to suggest that we are close to an S114 situation that other councils have experienced. A recent LGA, Local Government Association, peer review found our budget was in a robust position. We have always been prudent We will continue to invest in Enfield and our services to make a cleaner, greener and safer borough.
0: Boost your health. We encourage you to get both COVID and flu jabs this autumn. You may already be aware that the newer autumn wave of COVID appears to be on its way. And we urge those eligible to get their boosters as soon as they can. The following people are eligible for an autumn COVID Booster. All adults over 65 and and people aged 6 months to 64 in a clinical risk group, frontline health and social care workers. People aged 12 to 64 who are household contacts of people with immunosuppression. People aged 16 to 64 who are carers and staff working in care homes for older adults. The eligibility is based on the fact risk of the severe COVID, I beg your pardon, continues to be strongly associated with increasing age, underlying health conditions and other issues. Remember, we urge you for everyone to get their flu jabs, which are now also available in October.
1: Uh, Now... Uh, Lee Power reports on Enfield Town Football Club for The Independent. Enfield Town boss Gavin McPherson says they have a lot of hard work to do ahead of their FA Cup fourth qualifying round tie at Cray Valley PM this weekend. Town are just 90 minutes away from the first round proper, having crashed out of the FA Trophy 4-3 at Chesham United last weekend. The tie looked to be heading to a penalty shootout when a mix-up between Kyle Bailey and Reese Forster gifted Lucas Sinclair a late winner. And McPherson told the club website there's been a few hard truths in the dressing room Carl had control of the situation for the last goal but the others we conceded were terrible too and it's a game we've let through our grasp and I am hugely disappointed. We've gone away from home, scored three goals against a good side and still lost. I wonder when the last time that happened here was. Having to score five to win tells we, me we made rudimentary mistakes. It was a result that was totally avoidable. Now we've got a hell of a lot of hard work to do before Cray Valley next weekend. Town came from behind three times against the Generals, who had beaten them 4-0 in the FA Cup a few years back, before conceding the decisive goal in the 89th minute. Jordan Edwards fired the hosts ahead on six minutes but Sam Young's soon levelled with a fine 20-yard strike. Steve Brown put Chesham back in front, but Bailey controlled Ollie Knight's cross and prodded home to make it 2-2 at the break after Marcus Wiley and Sinclair both went close. Bruno Andrade fired wide for Chesham after the restart, while Young's shot straight at Zaki Ulala, before Sinclair beat the offside trap to make it 3-2. But town substitute Obi Onye aged 19, was fouled in the box by old boy Scott Shelton, allowing Youngs to fire home from the spot. Then, with penalties looming, Sinclair pounced when Bailey and Forster got in a tangle to settle the outcome. Enfield fell to a 3-2 defeat at Ishmanian North, rivals Morden and Tiptree, who have added Jamie Cureton to their coaching staff. Riggers Kabashi put ease ahead after just two minutes, but Louis Britton levelled. And Britton struck again on the hour mark after Caleb Steele had restored Enfield's lead within a minute of the restart before George Smith sealed a first win of the season for the Jammers. After a trip to Witham Town in midweek, Enfield lost host Lowestoft on Saturday and Enfield Borough slumped to a 4-0 loss at St Margaret'sbury in Thurlow, Nun League Division 1 South at the weekend they visit Wormley Rovers tonight, Wednesday, and then host leaders Dunmo tomorrow on Saturday. Sorry, Dunmo Town on Saturday.
2: Beautiful COVID-19 memorial inaugurated in Enfield. A COVID-19 memorial funded by local community groups has been officially inaugurated at an Enfield park. Enfield Living Memorial is dedicated to all those in the borough who lost during the COVID-19 pandemic. The memorial began to take shape last year with the planting of 30 trees in Town Park in the shape of a heart. The final piece of the memorial, a metal artwork depicting a phoenix rising, was unveiled last month. Around 200 people attended an informal open event, with many choosing to leave a small personal message of remembrance, which were written on cards and tied to the trees. One such note said, Love you mum and miss you, reflecting the many expressions of loss that were shared throughout the afternoon. Children's Voices of Enfield Choir also performed at the event and a brief speech was given by Justine Stracy, president of the local Soroptimist Group, which organised the memorial project and led fundraising efforts. Justine said, Over two-thirds of the project's costs were met by local community groups, local businesses and individual members of the public. Significant support also came from unselfish acts of kindness with in-kind time and material resources equating to over £10,000 in value. The remaining support came from the Lottery Community Fund. What we have achieved together is something of meaning and value and beauty for everyone in the community. Artist Joe Robinson, who was responsible for the concept and design of the memorial, said, The feedback we have received about the memorial and the sculpture has been tremendous. Hearing what people have said and some have written makes me so proud to have helped with what has fundamentally been a borough-wide community project. One visitor to the site thanked the organisers and said, I lost my 59-year-old father to COVID in 2021. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have a memorial such as this in my own town. My mother, who is wheelchair dependent, has never been able to access a memorial for my father. But now she finally can, as it's nearby and accessible. Thank you for all your efforts and the beautiful thought and design. For more information about Enfield Living Memorial, visit enfieldlivingmemorial.org.
3: And this one is from The Athletic. Jeffrey, the dog who went viral at a football match and the touching story behind him. This is by Kiva O'Neill. Jeffrey has been going to Lutontown Games for more than six years and has slept through most of them. There was no change to the Labradors', Labradors routine on Saturday afternoon for the visit of Tottenham Hotspur to the perfectly named Kenilworth Road Stadium. Jeffrey napped his way through the game again and while snoozing, a video hip of him was surging in views online. The short clip of Jeffrey in the main stand with his owner Mount Claridge first appeared on TNT Sports live coverage ahead of kickoff ahead of kickoff and has now been watched millions of times. Matt forty four was born blind. Through treatment, he regained some sight in both eyes, but he has since lost all vision in his right eye and sees only partially out of his left. That means he puts full trust in his best mate, Jeffrey, who he describes as a very loving dog. Jeffrey expertly guides him in and out of the stadium, across roads, and onto buses. He reacts to the referee's whistle, Matt says. When the whistle blows, he looks up, but he's normally asleep and getting people covered in dog hairs. If I jump up for a goal, he jumps with me. I wouldn't bring him if, he bo- if it bothered him or if he couldn't cope with it. He just lays down in front of me and sleeps. He has slept through the rise from League Two to the Premier League. The nine-year-old dog, who, when he's not working, enjoys clutching his collection of teddy bears at home, or putting his paw on your arm to request a cuddle is a famous is famous around the club, but his owner and those with season tickets in this section of the ground never expected Jeffrey to become a world star like he was at the weekend. He's probably the most famous guide dog in the country at the moment, Matt later says from the George Two pub in central London, with the video having doubled in views by the time we get there. This will be Jeffrey's last full season as a match-going regular. In 11 months' time, he will be retired and be looked after by Matt's father, Chris, who lives with them half an hour up the road in Bedford. Matt's name will then be added to a waiting list for a new guide dog, a process, he, could, he says, could take up to two years. Chris is his son's carer, and has almost always been at his side for Luton games. Around 2016, though, Chris became ill. He spent four months in hospital awaiting a liver transplant, and during that time he was also diagnosed with bowel cancer, a battle he has since overcome. Going to the football with his dad has always been an outlet for Matt, who was severely bullied at school. It proved to be even more of an escape when his dad was unwell. And that is when Jeffrey started attending games to guide Matt in the absence of his dad. I got bullied, Matt says, as Jeffrey wearing a Luton-themed cotter, collar sleeps soundly at his feet. I just had to deal with it. The teachers wouldn't do anything. I was beaten up. They aren't my best memories. They, the other pupils, would throw footballs at my face and break my glasses. I had chewing gum put on my seat. They would stick stuff on my clothes. It was cruel. I've moved on. I got a good job working for I- in IT for a bank. When I go home tonight, I'll go down the pub, and Geoffrey has got his own bed there, and I'll have a few drinks. I have people now. One of those people is his dad, and when Chris was well enough to return to matches, Matt, who was not comfortable using a cane after being bullied at school when he tried one, continue to take Jeffrey with them. At halftime, Jeffrey's high-visibility harness is put back on to signal he is working. He then guides Matt to the toilet and back. During the game, it is Chris who commentates for Matt, who is unable to see the ball or recognize players. I try and communicate with him, tell him if it's a corner, a foul. If people get all excited around us, I'll tell him why, Chris says. There are earpieces available with radio commentary in certain grounds, but Matt prefers to hear the voice of his dad and those around him describing the game, like their friends Peter Clark and his son Scott. The four of them have been attending Luton games together for two decades. Jeffrey has traveled with them to away games before, but Matt prefers not to take him Not only are there accessibility issues, such as steps and inadequate lighting, but there are usually a lot of people drinking, and it doesn't always feel like the safest place for Jeffrey. You always get one idiot, Matt says. When they went to Wembley in May for the championship championship playoff final, which Luton won on penalties to earn promotion to the Premier League, it was Matt's mother who took care of the dog. I didn't see much of the game. I just go by the atmosphere and people's reactions. I was about 5 rows from the front, and you don't see a lot, even when you can't, even when you can see. He chuckles. I got home, went and picked him up and watched the game again. Matt's younger sister Rebecca is also blind, and both have spent a lot of time in hospital during their early years. As a parent, it is years ago at that time medication and everything wasn't as up to date as it is now with late treatment
0: well we've reached the end of our program this week thank you for listening and so, so from the team of Jean, mel sally and myself john and of course bill on the controls it's and you may like to join in goodbye cheerio but it's certainly not good night please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet. Put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app. Or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying Play Podcast, Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget, you can call Diane De Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspapers. She can be reached on 07 899 854 582. That's 07 899 854 582. The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time. Goodbye. <laughs> <Bye. Bye.
2: laughs>